We have made it back. We made it. We made it to the second episode. We're still alive. They're still letting us produce podcasts. Somehow, right? We made it here. Who's that? I have no idea how that happened. Isn't Who's it the world? The podcast. Talking world? with your mouthful over there. Yes, I what am. You, what are you point? enjoying? I'm enjoying some nice salami. With my good Lark Mead 2012 cab. It's a great segue. Lark Mead. Thank you. We just gave the listeners all the details for the podcast in the first 30 seconds. Okay. Everything hey. we're going to touch on. Well, Got to let them know what they're getting into, right? That's right. Mm. You can tell them we're testing a bottle of Shutter Home. Mm. That is someone we're going to need to get on the podcast. <laughs> Sooner rather than later. That was one of the greatest texts I've ever received from my friend Joe. From Joe. Yeah. Look, let's be honest. I think one of the greatest challenges and one of the greatest opportunities of drinking of drinking great wine is to find the greatest value for the money you can get. Finding that great diamond in the rough, that great bottle, and bragging to your friends about how much you paid for this great bottle of wine, and no one can believe that you paid so little for it. That is the 2012 Lark Mead Cab. Ooh. Well, let's give the listeners a little bit of perspective here on value. Can we, what was, where, if I wanted to go out and buy this wine, first of all, where is your recommendation for people to go get wine and, uh, Where's the where where can I get a good I'm young and I need a good deal. Where can I go get a great deal on a good bottle of wine? So your dad's cellar is a good place to start. Um <laughs> but uh <laughs> I don't usually sell my I, 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 I think he I, I mean he calls me a cellar rat. I will never but, leave his cellar. Exactly. Why why leave? It's free. Right. You don't pay for the wine when you go to my cellar. I just give it to you and you just drink it. Right. That's what I'm talking about. That's a cow, good, I told you, I like a great deal. Free. That's a good deal. That's a really strong... <laughs> they call that freeloading. That's a strong deal. Okay. Never this mind. is an apolitical <laughs> show. No politics. Yeah, touche. Touche. Um, I... Uh, I gen- the first place I go to to find the best price of the wine I'm going to drink is Wine Searcher. There's an app on the iPhone, Google Phone, uh, Wine Searcher, and you can plug in the you can plug in the name of the wine, and it will give you all the places that sell it, different years, and the cost per year. It's a great tool, by far the best tool for buying wine. Wine searcher. Absolutely, I can add to that is because I have known for years since I've I've known Mark and been drinking wine with him is he's always referring to whatever bottle we are you know he'll pull it up on Wine Searcher this and that and as my you know my wine experience started going on I uh, and I started buying wine from my own home I've recently started using Wine Searcher actually in the bottle shop or the liquor store yeah. or whatever store you're at you know. If, if you have it on your phone, you're standing in front of the whole selection of wine. You can punch in whatever you're looking at and curious about, and it will give you, I mean, a, every detail you can imagine about the wine you're looking at, the vintage, the score, yep. um, and then the average price across the market, whether whatever liquor stores are charging for it and um, what, what it's going yeah. to be the auction price if it is one. Yeah, I think Wine Searcher is 
I, I use it. I, I'll it's a tell cornerstone. You. It's a cornerstone oh, tool to your it wine. It gives you, yeah. That's where I. I mean, unless you have different relationships with vintners or friends who are bringing in, you in on deals, yeah. Wine Searcher is awesome. Uh, that said, um, I'm a little bit of a wine snob, and before we get into that whole thing, why don't we? Huh? Can you get closer to your mic? Yeah. A little closer. This is a podcast. You can tell me if I'm being a moron or not. We should probably tell people who we are, what we're doing, why we're doing it. Well, that'd be a good idea. Yeah, well, I'm I'm helping you. We out. are the Cellar Rats. <laughs> we can be found Facebook, the Cellar Rats, Instagram, Cellar Rats Podcast. Follow us. Interact with us. Tell us what you want to hear. If you've got a favorite bottle for us to, to review you know, dig a little deeper, get some research done on. We would love the opportunity to do that and feature that in one of our episodes. Today, 2012 Lark Mead. Episode one was Del Dado. Fantastic. Mark, you touched in that episode about how you were fortunate enough to go visit there. Have you ever been to Lark Mead? I have not. Have Ken? I'm not. Bob? Nope. nope. Anyone? No? Nope. No. Oh, I'd like to go. Yeah, rather, uh, so it's rather new wine to all of us. It is. Well, it's not a new wine to me. I've drunk it for, drank it for a while. But, I mean, I've not been there. I've, I've not been to every vineyard that I enjoy great vino from. There Contrary are some to popular great, great vineyards I've been to. Seriously. Unbelievable experiences. If people ever have the opportunity to go to Napa, and go to a vineyard and enjoy the experience. It is amazing. But I've not been to Larkmean. Okay, so let me ask you this. Because for the listeners who... A lot of our listeners right now probably know us. You know, they're friends of ours. You know, we're both people. You know, people that we've run into and told about the podcast. Um, so they know that you're... Of the four of us, I would say you are most familiar with the wines we're going to be drinking stories and other things that we've come across how did you do you even remember how did you come across lark mead mm. good question. question when you know how question, you, yeah how did you decide now oh, let's 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 try this bottle um it's a great question or if you don't the, remember with, with lark mead i do remember Ooh, i was gonna say how do you do it with other wines i do i yeah. do remember uh in this case um most people that know me know that I am a huge fan of Napa, Napa cabs. The podcast will really probably feature primarily Napa big, bold cabs. It's a hot area. People love them. And I had a business associate in town probably about mm, three years ago. And he's a big wine drinker, loves great wines. And he said, have you ever heard of Larkmead? And I said, no. And so he started telling the story of Larkmead. And I really think and I really believe, and frankly, I, what I really love about great wines is the journey and the stories we go through to get to the point where we get to learn about different and unique wines that we maybe never would have heard of. 
And that was the case with Larkmead. He says, you got to try Larkmead. So I've purchased, I, I have purchased the 010, the 012, the 013. Uh, Larkmead has multiple different wines. We will probably feature on future shows. But to keep it simple and keep it um, um, new, so to speak, we're going to do just the regular cab today. And the 012 cab, 92 point rated, I believe. A tremendous cab. Bottled out of Calistoga in Napa. Is an amazing, amazing one. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, Robert Parker had it 92 to 95. Yeah, in that deep. range. I would call it deep. Deep? Yeah. Deep I mean, one? Yeah. When you, when you taste it, it just sticks with you for a while. So I think one of, and to further this conversation, because it's, it, 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 you know, I think about it often when I'm at the liquor store, and, and Logan, you touched on it. How, how do you decide? I think one of the problems that a lot of people may have is, you know, you walk into a liquor store and there's hundreds, if not thousands it, of bottles of wine. It's an intimidating process. From. And how do you, you know, you may talk to the salesperson, but everyone's got a different palate. And the salesperson may love this, may love that, whatever it is. What is something that you guys use when you're trying new wines that you're like, I'll give this a shot. Let's see. Because, you know, it may turn into one of your new favorite bottles to have. It's a great question. Go ahead, Lot. Well, I go ahead. Like I said, I'm always using Wine Searcher and then go along. And I, you know what? I'll, I'll start at the beginning of when I actually started buying wine. Something I actually did. And it was kind of a fun thing to go by. You know, you got to pick, you, you can start in multiple ranges. Start with your price range, which you're comfortable mm-hmm. spending on a bottle. And then, so you already will narrow yourself down to a certain range then when you're at a store. And something interesting I actually did for a while, and it was one of my favorite um, food, I don't know what to call them, celebrity chefs that I um, followed slash musician, uh, Action Bronson, one time he posted a thing about how his favorite wines he's ever picked are based on the label. He, he would pick a label that he really enjoyed, the, something appealed him to it, and he would pick it, and they always ended up being his favorite. So I, my first time when I started buying wine, I kind of started on that path. I would pick a certain price range I was comfortable with, what I was interested in, type of grape, whatnot. And then I would kind of look around and be like, you know what? I like this one because you have to think at the long run, um, the design of the label probably speaks to the nature of the people making it as well. So it'll uh, all tie into what you're going to experience with the... Uh, Can I completely shoot wine. you down on that? Yeah, absolutely. Ooh, love it. I like it. Controversy. Some of the greatest wines I've drank have the simplest labels you've ever seen. I think we're agreeing. I think I think I we're think, on, I think we're on the same page though. Okay. I'm I'm saying by basically what I'm saying is not to judge it not on what looks the best, but like let's say you have, there's some random bottle that has some rant, cool little you know to you you're like I like I just like the way this one looks. Right. I'm saying purely once you're in a certain area to pick it based on that. So I would I would agree. I would agree on that. I'm saying this is a way to shoot in the dark. The analogy I would use is that picking wine is a lot, a, lot, a lot like picking your wife. Looks are not everything. There's got to be greater depth to the story behind what you're going to marry yourself to. I think about Screaming Eagle. I've been very fortunate 
to enjoy a little Screaming Eagle, which for those of you who don't know, one of the top, probably the top cab out of Napa. I think it is. I think ratings yeah. support that. Um, I, I, when I first started drinking wine, I was in the camp of look at the label. If it's got a great label, it's got to be good, blah, blah, blah. But wine, the thing about wine is what I love. It's a lot. It's a lot like relationships. Looks can be deceiving. Looks don't give you the full answer of the experience you're going to get. So what I mean by that, if you look at the Larkmead, which we're talking about today, the Larkmead bottle is a pretty simple, not a very fancy looking label. And it's a wine that a lot of people are not familiar with, probably never heard of. But it's a phenomenal cab with great history and a great story. Matt, you were talking about Lark Mead. It goes back to the 1800s, right? Well, no, what I was touching on, you know, prior when I was doing the research and, and I got into this deep hole on their website because they've got a whole section about archives and the history of it. But um, dating back to Prohibition after that period had passed, Lark Mead was actually one of the first vineyards um, to post, um, to label on their wines what type of grape was used. Really? Yeah. Which we take for granted now, obviously. Right, everyone, oh, oh, this is a cab. You know, prior it was like, it could be anything. It was a bottle of wine. No kidding. a bottle of wine, yeah. So that was, wow. and they had tons of other, you know, interesting little paragraphs that would describe other things that, you know, you were just like, wow. And of course it was all, it all had to do with, with Larkmead. I, I can't recall the exact story, but they were rated one of the best cabs. I forget the year, but it was at the California State Fair. And I mean, and I'm talking way back. I'll, I'll see during the show if I can pull up what year it was, but they won, or maybe they got second. Yeah. One of the best cabs in California. Yeah, I, I, I drink a lot of cab. That's primarily what I drink. And I will tell you that the Larkmead cab... Uh, certainly for the money. Now, this is this is the regular cab. And I think it's probably, you can buy it for, depending on the year, $90 to $120 a bottle. Um, for the money, I think it is one of the greatest values in the market. Now, well, let's, let, let's real quick, I mean, let's give price points here. What, I mean, what is a bottle? What's, what's it run? So... That's a great question. People who go to look to buy a bottle of wine and what does a bottle cost? <clears throat> this is why I love Wine Searcher because Wine Searcher is a great app that helps me gauge um, price of wine based on year of vintage because one year's vintage can range dramatically to the next. Because depending on Napa, depending on the quality of the year for harvesting and what happens, could alter the price of the wine. Tonight we're drinking the 2012. Um, the 2012, one of their better, very good vintages. I think it was, was it 92, 92, 93? Yeah, Robert, it, had it Park, Robert, Robert Parker had it up there, yep. Yeah, 92, 93. 
um, $100, $110 a bottle. Seriously, an amazing wine for the money. Now, people, the, the, the great thing about wine is the experience, right? The Lark Mead that we are drinking tonight, um, people should know, we started decanting this morning at 8.30. It's now 8.30 Nine. at night. 12 hours, right? I have found people I talk to get nervous about decanting wine and how long you decant it. Um, and there's a lot of variables to that. But don't be afraid to decant a really good wine for 12, 24 hours. Yeah, this may, this may sound crazy, but as an experience of that, I mean... We've when I was when I was living back back here at the house with you, I do remember. I mean, this sounds kind of strange that we were trying wine at nine in the morning, but there would be wine left over from the night before. Yep. And you take a sip of it and you'd be like, "It's better than yep. the, it's better than last night." It was yeah. better. It was better. It's better now than it was it last chance. night. Yeah. yeah, you're bringing up a great point. Uh, so okay, so let me tell you what I do with wine, especially if I've never had it, and and depending on the vintage. Um, if I know I'm going to have wine in the evening, I will decant a bottle the first time in the morning, the day I'm going to drink it. And I will sip it just to get a sense of the palate, the nose, um, how it's going to drink right out of the bottle. And, um... I may wait a couple hours, depending on the day, three hours, take another sip. Just a sip. Just to get a sense of the nose and the depth of the wine. And then I'll have it at night. But I won't drink the whole bottle. Obviously, I don't drink the whole bottle. I'll have a glass or two. And then I leave some for the next morning and night. What I'm doing is, on the first bottle I drink of something, <clears throat> is I am experiencing and experimenting with the depth of the decant because my experience has been, particularly with California cabs, um, especially the younger ones, 12, 13, 14, the really good ones, you can decant for 24 to 36 hours. And people go, no, there's no way. It gets junky. Some do. It's experimentation. So on the podcast, we'll talk about that. I'll give some experiences of some wines that literally you can buy for $80 and decant for 36 hours, and they will taste like they're $400 wines. What's, what's the longest... You've ever you know what's the longest you've ever decanted a bottle? Thirty six hours. I know sometimes if you leave them out, they get you lose the flavor. They get nasty. They turn to vinegar. They turn. Yep. Yeah. They turn, right. yep. No yep. And I just want to go back. It was nineteen thirty six, and they got bronze at the California State Fair for their cab. Wow. Nineteen thirty six. 
Well, Larkmead is Larkmead's an interesting vineyard that I like. Larkmead has like a lot of the really kind of old school vineyards has multiple vineyards and wines that they sell. And I have some wine laying down in my cellar right now from Larkmead that I think they'll lay down for three, five, ten years. They will be absolutely incredible. Um, I'm trying to think. They have multiple uh, vineyards. And I'm trying to think. Let me see if I can find my notes here. Besides their regular cab, they have... Um, I'm like Saint, um, so they have uh, Solari, Dr. Olmo, The Lark. I have some Lark laid down. Oh, that's... And Dr. Olmo. Dr. Almo is an interesting story. We won't get into it today. But if you go to the Larkmead website, you can do some great research on their wine. They have a long, long history of great vino and great, great wine. And I think the wines I've had from them, really good for the money. Great values. Yeah, they've got tons of stuff on their website, history of backstory of how this vineyard had transpired because I mean it's been I want it I mean it's been a long years I mean centuries of of you know transformation yeah. of who owned who owned what and, and how yeah. they got to where they are today. Yeah I need a little water there my my voice is drying out yeah because I'm talking too much. And as you dig Logan, in you should be talking as more. you dig in I mean talking about long histories of vineyards it's it's interesting as like like we were talking about, which I think can tie in to how you how you end up on a wine that you decide to eat or eat. I'm saying eat because I'm watching everyone around me eat. Oh, eat yeah. so eat salami. It, this, and, uh, I was just I was going to bring tried. salami. I was going to bring this salami up right after. Everyone's this. pulling the mics away from their face to eat this, this delicious mustard. salami. Let, let the people oh know you gosh. are you most recently are are the newest resident of Minneapolis, but prior to that, you lived in Duluth and you brought. This for this episode, some salami, salamini, pepperoni, salamini, pepperoni, and uh, saison sank, or some you guys other, are trying to kill me. Some other sausage that they're down, down I, from Duluth, and it is incredible. Northern Water Smokehouse. If you're ever in Duluth, uh, down in Canal Park, you got to check out. They have just incredible salamini, pepperoni, any dried dried meats and sausages uh, that are. It's something I bring almost every time if I'm coming to the Pearson uh, Pearson household. I uh, won't be letting the, I won't be letting the door unless I have some. Uh, <laughs> it have it some, is unbelievable. Some gifts to bear. No, um, it's unbelievable stuff. But it's fantastic, fantastically paired with this Larkmead. Well, I think you bring up a great point, uh, Log. That um, great vino is relative. If if you say to somebody, great vino. It's relative to them because our experience, my experience in general, has been that when you drink great vino, there are multiple components that make you decide, yeah, this is really good. Mm -hmm. Who you're hanging with, yep. where are you at, time of day, yep. 
your mood, what you're eating, what you're eating, what salamis, what cheeses. This is what I love about wine. Wine, I believe, is one of the greatest artistic experiences people could have. Yep, and I think it's important important to drive home that at the end of the day, if the wine is good to you in the situation that you're in, yeah, there's no there's no better right. wine that's than that. That's all that matters. Yeah, it's all that matters. That's all that matters. Yeah, whether it's five, ten, twenty, thirty, fifty dollar bottle. You know, the interesting thing is, as we drink great wine, we and we do the podcast, and we enjoy the wine, we enjoy the foods that we pair with it, and the experience that people need to understand it is all about experience. And I'll tell you, we uh, there's lots of great wines. We're going to cover them here on the podcast. But for our uh, new journey of the podcast, Larkmead is one that has to be on the top of the list. Yeah, and I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about food, pairings, because the wine itself can change based on what you're eating. Mm -hmm. Oh, no question. All, All the flavors that you're with. The Harpoonie. We haven't heard much from him. Who who's harpooning? Right. He, he was. It sounds well, like he, it sounds like he he's been taking a harpooning. So no, he's I, been taking a harpooning. So you know, I've been just sitting here enjoying listening to what you guys had to say about it. You know, of all the people that are sitting on the table here, uh, I'm probably have the least experience with, you know, the wines. I mean, I'm from Wisconsin, so in Wisconsin, we do beer and cheese. Don't tell Brandy. people. Uh, Don't little, tell people. I thought you were going to be wearing your Packers jersey. Well, you yeah. know, I am. I am. I I'm, I'm totally all right with you not showing up in that. You know, why I, is he on the podcast talking about Wisconsin? That's a, no. We well talking about Wisconsin. Yeah, we. Well, I went to school in Wisconsin. Logan's from Wisconsin, right? I mean, I so am. that's three or four of us have got some Wisconsin uh, blood in. We're, us, eating so. some, we're eating some delicious Wisconsin cheese as well. Hello, which we're going to be. Definitely focusing on more in future podcasts as well. With some sharp cheddar. That's, yes, right. but no, what I wanted to talk about, because one of the things that you, when we first brought up the idea of starting this podcast and stuff, and you love, as I'm fortunate enough to office next to you, oh, little wine, what do you call them, gadgets. Little gadgets, yeah. So we've Tools. got one wine today tools. that we're going to touch on, tools. because as much as people want, you know, Open a bottle of wine. They're thinking, I can't open a bottle of wine. I can't enjoy the whole bottle tonight. I, I, if I have the whole bottle tonight, I got to go to work tomorrow. I'm going to have that headache. But there are devices out there. If you're looking just to have a glass. Not waste your whole bottle. And not waste your whole bottle. So right. why, why this device, the single pour kind of glass wine device, wine preservation device, why did it catch your attention? Hold on. What we've He's got. from Wisconsin. He would never use that. He would drink the whole <laughs> bottle and then maybe more. And then maybe have some beer. <laughs> that right Why there. Why don't you? That's then a hottie, called, that's, a hottie that's, toddy, hey, right? Hey, that, that may be a spotted cow, right? Black right? I am there. a big fan of spotted cow. Well, let's let's give the listeners a little education here. I love. I want to educate the listeners on on a little device that we've got well, here. Well, and and just just for the, the record, the record. No that thing ads. has never been here. That's never been used. 
in yeah, my that's a, in, this in is my, a strange device for this household to have. Yeah, have because to be that's bull. It's deco- I think it's decoration. Oh, I mean, a single I glass of wine get There's one individual that won't let a good <laughs> bottle of wine go to waste. You know, but, but I'll tell you this: I've, I've, when uh, when Mark disappeared for a little bit, you know, took took his wife on a vacation, my yeah. mother. Um, I use that device. Yeah, the, you did. The, yeah. The wine the next day. <laughs> well, I think we have some, we have a separate it, no, story we're gonna, to tell. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna move right on. The wine, literally, the two different. It, the next day, it was. It tasted just as good, just coming right out of the bottle. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's, it's. I'm, I'm let's talk about, let's zone. talk, let's talk about the control. I, this I have is the core of Yeah, right. let's, let's, let's this, give it a call. The core of and what you do is, if you or somebody's gonna have a glass of wine or two. And you don't want a bottle of wine to go to waste. You use this device, and I have used it actually, and it works phenomenal. Part part of the problem with drinking great wine, of course, is that when you open a bottle and you drink it, it's now oxidizing, and if and different bottles react differently, and so you want to make sure that you control the quality of the wine when you're drinking it. And different wines uh, react differently. This is part of learning what Matt talked about earlier when I drink a sip of something in the morning, a sip of something in the afternoon, a sip at night, a sip the next day. I'm gauging the quality of the wine at different times as it is decanting. What the Coravin does is it allows you to have a glass of wine, but if you're not if you're not going to have any more, you use this device to get your glass out of the bottle while keeping the airtight seal, airtight seal in the wine so it does not oxidate, and it allows you to drink the wine longer. Exactly, Coravin, C-O-R-A-V-I-N. It's a great device. Um, I've used it. I love it. It works well. I think it's a great. It's a great invention. It uses some uh, small. Those are like CO2 cartridges or something, right? So the, it allows the. That's how the wine is allowed to be. It, right. it creates some pressure in the bottle. There's a to, CO2 cartridge that fills it. Yeah. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. Exactly. But exactly. One of the one of the things when you know Mark when you and I were talking about this podcast and how we want to start it and. Uh, we were talking about food pairings and discussed that a little bit today. I was like, we got to get Logan on this podcast. we got to talk about food pairings. Let's give the listeners a little education. You talk about the four aspects of food and pairing it with wine. Can you expand on that for our listeners? Sure, a little and, bit. And, well, so, first of all, what are the four aspects? Well, just to... Uh, start that whole conversation i'm a little bit of an amateur food scientist sure we'll call that i i enjoy reading and, and studying um you know what makes food happen and what makes the flavors change and the four things that really are fundamental to all food that you eat and try are salt fat acid and heat and heat being the form of you know conductive heat not not spiciness or something like that actual heat that's applied to the food and, and all four of those things, um, you know, physically, chemically change the food um, and how they taste. So all, all dishes or any single thing you have have a pretty good balance of those four things. 
So a perfect thing to note on is why the things that we are eating with this wine go so well is because they have this huge mixture of all of those things. We're eating these dried meats that are have excessive pork, pork fat, a lot of salt. Um, and then some of the things like the salamini we're eating too, they add uh, dry white wine for acidity um, and all sorts of things like that. And they all end up pairing based on, granted we're, we're pretty biased to, to cabs here, so we eat a kind of select, you know, classic things that go along with those olives, cheese, jams, um, salamis, all those types of things. But uh, they are, that's critical to note um, that whatever you're eating can, can change, not only what you're drinking can change how the things taste, but also vice versa. So if you're eating something super salty or whatever, it can change your palate for the next five minutes and change how your, your next drink of wine is going to taste. Yes. Yep. That's, that's the beauty of great vino. But they normally complement each other insanely well. You know, it, it increases the value of both of the things you're eating and drinking and doing. Yes. So here's, I've got a question for you guys, because it's, it's something, when, when we're talking about pairings here, we've got salami, crackers, olives, you know, cheese, everything out here. What we don't have is chocolate. Yo! Well, we got to fix that. That, I, big, I, big call. There is something about wine and chocolate and the mixture and the pairing of that mm-hmm. that just, that is unbelievable. You're totally trying to butter up your mom, aren't you? I don't know if my uh, mom knows how to listen to podcasts, but if she, she does, doesn't, she would, but she, she would be, chocolate. she would rate us five stars on your podcast app. She would subscribe so she gets the latest updates. She'd follow us. Actually, she does follow us on Instagram, Seller Rats Hopefully. Podcast, and on Facebook, Seller Rat, the Seller Rats. It, it, actually, great point. She that would be right up her alley. Chocolate, vino, maybe the best thing. Maybe we'll have to have I, a, your, your uh, favorite grocer has some amazing truffles that I planted last week. They were amazing. And, oh, yeah, they would be very good. When you tried them, you thought this would be great. Oh, with the man. Cat, yeah, huh? absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. See, and I, I'm a little biased. To, I like the insanely bitter stuff. I, I'll eat like 90, 95% dark, dark chocolate, which goes oh. insanely well with, <laughs> with this. Yeah, that's good that's stuff. Good. That's great stuff. I think, you know, I just got this idea because chocolate reminds me of dessert. And some of the best wine I've had with dessert. I know we, you know, we favor cabs on this, but we may have to do an episode on port. Right on. Oh, jeez. We've got a good friend. Actually, we're going to see him out in, in Denver soon. Who oh, loves boy. a good port? Absolute Al out if in we're Denver. We're going to do port. It's getting ugly right port. now. <laughs> Sounds like a whole episode dedicated to port. Oh, port yeah. well, let's expand. Let's expand. Let's expand on port. What do you have it, before port is what makes it special. Ooh, <laughs> hey, that's a, it, and you know what? It's all collective experience that makes right. the port so good. 
Oh, that's what we're all about. It. We're all about it. So good, you're pairing good experience. good vino with more good vino. Let's 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 give the listeners a little tease, Biggie, because I know you've got fantastic pork here. What when you got when you you know when you have people over, you've had your lark meat at dinner, and they're like, let's have a little pork for with our dessert. What what, Yikes. what are you what are you breaking out? Oh, I was gonna cut I, that silence out in the editing. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about. Going, no, I'm thinking pause. about the gears up here. <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 well, they're yeah, just the gears are going. Because I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about. I'm going to Colorado on Monday to see a good friend, who came here, and I gave him a tawny port, and this should really be a different show, the tawny port, uh, 1986. So you have tawny ports and you have red ports. And you almost have to do a show totally separate well, on We can those. just wet the beak. We can just wet yeah, the just beak. Wet guys. Hey, hey, All right, little, I'll give you the, I'll, wet, I'll wet your beak. Um, uh, a tawny ports are uh, a white grape. Uh, and there, we have a 1986 port. Uh, Tawny Port. I'm not going to give the name. We'll do it for the show later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then I had a new relationship with a, a business guy. He came and drank it and still raves about a year and a half later and is like, holy cow, this stuff's amazing. Port is awesome. Very different, though, than drinking regular wine. Um. Yeah, this is this is what I love about wine and port. It's complicated. There's a lot of moving parts. Like I always tell you, there's nuance in everything. There is, and the port the the port conversation's got to be different. It's got it's a separate conversation. You can say that I think that special. was yeah, that was that was good. I think yeah, we'll have that we'll have that oh, on another episode. We'll have Epic. port. Maybe we'll have. I mean, there's probably enough to talk about. Have a few a few ports. ports you could, you could, and I and, and I and I I think we should. I think uh, you know why wouldn't we? Because that's I mean, a segment of wine that probably I would I think it's fair to say <laughs> even most wine drinkers aren't familiar with. No, agreed. Port is opens up a whole different, unique channel to the experience of enjoying great wines and great food pairings. With friends and family, no doubt about it. Yeah, so we're drinking the 2012 Larkmean, and I and as yes. we're preparing for this show here, and here's another question that I've got for you guys. This and their descript and Larkmean's description of this wine, they say this could this this should be considered a wine to seller beyond 10 years. Really. Yeah. So one of you know one of the things that when I'm looking at wine, looking to buy wine, looking to open wine, yeah. is what's the right age? Is is am I opening this wine too early? You know, how long do I need to let a wine sit around in my cellar and be a rat until I open it? Yeah. That's the beauty of wine. It's the, it's the journey to figuring it out. That's what I love about wine. I, 
it's the journey in figuring out how long should it do, how long should it sit in the cellar, how long should it aerate and decay it. Uh, lots of variables. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of moving and parts. And part of the fun is figuring it all out. I agree. Totally. That's what I love about it. They even mentioned camps. here, they mentioned here at the bottom that um, this wine should be reasonably drinkable when released um, next year. That's in 2012. Um, but they say it should age nicely for 20 to 25 years, wow. is what Robert Parker says. 20 to 25 years. That's an, that's an investment. I, I can see that though because that's long term investing right yeah, there, yeah, right, oh, Biggie? Hey, Biggie. Oh, here we go. Well said. <laughs> well said. Letting wine lay down to enjoy it a future date is long term investing. Allowing an investment to expand its horizons and opportunity for you to enjoy is paramount. What's it's the ideal eight. temperature? For storage to be laying or drinking? Down. Ooh. Storage. Ooh, storage. That's a good point. I store mine at, in my, I have a 18 bottle wine fridge. Mm -hmm. I store at 57. Now, now it varies though. Now we're talking, red and whites Technically, it should be stored yeah, at two different temperatures. Discla yes. Disclaimer, that wine fridge is full of exclusively cab. Yeah. So, or, yes. or, or red, red, red blend. So, mm -hmm. disclaimer there. But I don't yeah, think I could give you the optimal temperature for a white wine because I, yeah, I sadly whole, don't. That's, a, that's, like I a, don't, that's a whole uh, other uh, ball game. I did, I did, though. I, I studied abroad in New Zealand, and we visited a vineyard in New Zealand. I remember New that. Zealand's, Zealand's vin I remember vineyard. that. And it was it was it was pretty much all uh, all uh, white wine, but it was as a guy that didn't at that point, you know, didn't have much experience with wine. I I enjoyed white wine. I mean, mm -hmm. I can't I can't bash it. Well, I we'll think probably we'll probably talk about white wine a little bit later. But for today, as we wrap up, Lark 2012 Larkmean, great cab. Great depth. And some great salamis, some cheeses, and history. Some great company. Yes. Well, baby, that goes to us. The, the 2012 Larkmead is a must. You have to have it. It's amazing. I, I, I would decant it for 12 to 24 hours. I definitely agree. Any, uh, any other closing comments? Before we uh, wrap up the second show, uh, second episode of uh, right. Cellar Rats. Well, I would just say that the Larkmead is as husky as Biggie's voice is. Right yeah, so he's. I uh, think that would be a good time for us. To for, for those, for those, for, for the listeners out there, Biggie's got this. Will be Biggie's second podcast, but on top of that, he's also got a radio show. Yeah, and he loves to talk. Right, and he's got the pipes to prove it. He's got the pipes to prove it. So, My hey, pipes are check check us out. <laughs> song, songbird of the generation. Songbird of the That's generation. Hey, check us out on Instagram, Cellar Rats Podcast, Facebook at the Cellar Rats. If you've got a bottle you want us to try, let us know what it is. We'll do it. 
We would be honored and privileged to learn more about that vineyard. Any types, as we discussed, we're a little biased towards cabs, but we'll do white wine. We'll do some ports. This is a this is a constant, moving, evolving uh, discussion. I think that'd be a good thing to call it discussion. So anything and everything is uh, up for grabs here. So throw it yeah, at us. Yeah, definitely food too. Food, if you, if you've got cheese, you got a cheese you like, let us know because we would love to try it with some wine. Right, but hey, thanks for tuning in. Figure out what part of Wisconsin in. that cheese comes from. Does cheese come from any place else but Wisconsin? Mm. We don't you, talk about the other place it comes from. That's so. right. That's fine. You, you just gotta you throw that in. All right. No more. Well, thanks for tuning in. <laughs> hey, subscribe. Give us five stars if you don't mind. We'd, we'd love a nice review. Right. And uh, sit back, crack open a bottle, enjoy it, and let us know yes. what you're drinking. Yeah, let yes. us know what you're drinking, and we'll uh, review you. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in.